Hello, and welcome to the USF Emergency Medicine Podcast. Hey guys, it's Maram. Welcome to another podcast. This is going to be a little bit of a longer lecture because I'm going to be talking to you about toxicology one and two, just to combine both subjects. So let's start talking about general things with toxicology. One of the most important things is you got to know when to intervene. you got to know whether there's an antidote available for the tox drug. you got to be able to reduce the exposure, if possible, as well as, the, as well as the absorption of the drug and increase its elimination. I like to think of a coma cocktail compromised of four different drugs, dextrose, naloxone, thiamine, and flumazenil. you got to be careful with flumazenil because you can convert a non-lethal overdose into a lethal withdrawal with status epilepticus. Always remember to check a blood glucose. You can have hypoglycemia with salicylates, Tylenol, obviously insulin, ethanol, as well as oral hypoglycemics. Gastric lavage is not really as common anymore, but you could still consider it if the recent overdose was within the last hour, if it's obviously life-threatening, and if the agent is not bound by charcoal. It's contraindicated if you don't have a protected airway. Charcoal is usually dosed 1 to 2 grams per kilogram. The max that you can give is 100 grams. Usually, this is good to think of as a gut dialysis, so it's good for those intrahepatic absorbed drugs. The optimum ratio of charcoal to toxin is 10 to 1. It's really good for products that have a high surface area, and you want to always avoid multi-doses of cathartics. You want to try and give it only with the first dose of charcoal to avoid dehydrations or electrolyte problems. Your cathartics are your sorbitol, your maxitrate, etc. Whole bowel irrigation is good for iron and lead. And then another couple of concepts is we don't do urine acidification anymore or forced diuresis. Those could be dangerous. We do do urine and urine alkanization, and this is uh, for drugs like salicylates, phenobarbs, INH, and then we always have a pH goal of 7 to 8. You need to make sure that you replace your potassium before you alkanize your urine. Dialysis is great. you got to know when to use it. It's good for things like salicylates, lithium, methanol, isopropanol, and ethylene glycol. Substances that are usually dialyzable are, are those with decreased molecular weight, have decreased protein binding, and are usually water-soluble. All right, let's switch gears and talk about toxidromes. There's five different categories that, want, that I want to discuss with you. I think the best way to remember these is to remember what's different between one and another. We all know the basics from med schools. So let's start talking about anticholinergic overdose. So certain things that could give you those symptoms are atropine, TSA, antihistamines, anti-Parkinson drugs, as well as Jimson weed, which usually comes up in board questions. This is your symptoms of your hot, dry, red, blind, and mad. Your treatment is supportive. It's usually with benzos, but you got to remember and look for that wide complex tachycardia on your EKG. If you see that, you got to do your sodium bicarb, and if you see a ventricular dysrhythmia, then you can give lidocaine or amiodarone. You want to avoid uh, procanamide in this case. You don't want to do physostigmine if you have a TCA, because that can do heart block and can throw a patient into asystole. Your sympathomedics overdose, this is caused by, by drugs like amphetamine, cocaine, PCP. You want to think of symptoms associated with CNS excitation. Your anticholinergic has dry skin, like I mentioned. Your sympathomedics has diaphoresis. So two things that you can kind of distinguish between those two. Next up is your opioid overdose. This is caused by substances like codeine, morphine, your, hem your heroin, demerol, and hydrocodone. You want to think of symptoms of respiratory depression as well as pinpoint pupils. Your treatment is obviously going to be Narcan. 
A, bit, a thing to remember here is clonidine can actually mimic this, and also Demerol and Darvan can give you agitation as well as seizures, in addition to the respiratory depressant pinpoint pupils. Next up is your cholinergic. This is caused by your organophosphates, your insecticides, mushrooms, also warfare chemical uh, agents as well too. These happen by inhibiting cholinesterase, so you have increased level of acetylcholine. So you're going to have muscarinic effects here. This is where that sludge mnemonic comes in and the killer bees. So your salivation, lacrimation, urination, diarrhea, GI upset, as well as emesis. Your killer bees are your bradycardia, bronchospasms, as well as your bronchorrhea. These are the ones that kill you, so you want to treat for the killer bees until they're gone. You can also have meiosis associated with this as well, too. Your treatment is going to be atropine, and you want to um, dose that for your killer bees or your dry secretion. The thing with organophosphates is it has both cholinergic, meaning nicotinic, and muscarinic effects. So the muscarinic is what we just thought about. Your nicotinic effects are going to be your weakness, your muscle fasciculations, as well as your respiratory failure. Again, atropine is your treatment till your secretions are dry, and you could also use 2-PAM here. And the last category is kind of your withdrawal. I like to think of all of that in one. You want to always treat for the symptoms. There's no specific thing. One thing that I will mention here that we see quite often of the general is your cocaine withdrawal, which is also called, called your cocaine washout. Just remember that you can have bradycardia with that. All right, guys, you're doing great. Now, let's shift gears and talk about specific random drugs that are very highly tested. So let's start talking about Tylenol. This is the number one cause of liver transplants in the States. It actually used to be the case in Europe, too, until they started selling Tylenol by little blister packets. So now you can't buy more than seven grams of Tylenol at a time. Seems pretty smart, and you should adopt it, right? The toxic dose of Tylenol is 150 mg per kg. This is, uh, the, the problem with Tylenol is so bad is it produces napkin which pretty much fries your liver. That's why we give NAC for it, and what it does is it regenerates uh, glutathione, which decreases the level of that toxic NAC metabolite. You have four stages of tyranol toxicity. The first one is your GI symptoms. This is when you're going to have your nausea and vomiting. Second stage is your GI symptoms start to resolve, but then you start getting the hepatic renal um, symptoms that start up. Your third is going to be that peak in your LFTs, and then your GI symptoms start to come back, and then the fourth is just going to be recovery. So what happens when you have the Tylenol overdose in the AD? How do you go about it? You obtain levels at the four-hour marks, and that's what's usually testable. If the levels are greater than 140, then you want to get them. You want to give the patient 140 mix per keg of NAC, and then just kind of remember that. If the patient presents late, you could still give NAC. That is not a contraindication. All right. Next up, next up is methanol. This is found in your paint thinners and your window washer solvents. You can have an anion gap acidosis as well as an elevated osmolar gap here. Methanol alone is not toxic by itself. It's that byproduct that it produces by alcohol dehydrogenase, which is formic acid, that, that makes it so highly toxic. So you want to think of visual changes here that are associated with the symptoms. That kind of makes it stand out based, uh, as comparison to the other stuff. Your bicarb can be extremely low. It can show up even as zero in some of the questions. So that's another clue that this is a methanol overdose. As far as treatment, it's going to be fomepazole or ideally dialysis if they need it. Your ethylene glycol, this is your antifreeze and your paint solvents. It has a sweet taste, so you might have a lot of pediatric patients who come in with this overdose. 
you'll have an anion gap acidosis as well as an elevated osmolar gap again with this. And again, it's that broken down into oxalic acid that makes it so bad. So you want to think of renal failure, hematuria, as well as hypocalcemia with this. Treatment is going to be the same as methanol, thimepazole, and dialysis, ideally. Next up is your isopropyl alcohol. This is a little bit confusing because it's not the ion mud piles, which we think of as when we think of the anion gap acidosis. This is isopropyl alcohol is usually found in rubbing alcohol. I like to think of this as alcohol on steroids, pretty much. What it does is it has uh, CNS depression more than actual ethanol. So it's going to cause a ketosis, but not an acidosis. So you're going to have a normal anion gap, and you're going to have an elevated osmolar gap. So a very important thing to kind of distinguish it from the other ones. You can have symptoms of hemorrhagic gastritis, pulmonary edema, hypoglycemia, and hypotension with it. So to summarize, in terms of increasing toxicities of the alcohols, it's going to be ethanol that's the lowest, then isopropyl, then ethylene, then methanol. All right, moving on. Again, this is going to be random drugs that are highly tested. So let's talk about barbs. These are going to give you meiosis, hypotension, and CNS depression. One thing that can make this stand out is sometimes a patient can have cutaneous boule that's present on their extremities. And make sure that you pay attention to that because that's a very bad prognosis. The treatment for this is going to be lavage as well as charcoal and ultimately hemodialysis. Your beta blocker toxicity. Your patient is going to have it, uh, bradycardia, hypotension, possibly AV block, and hypoglycemia. The treatment here is glucagon. You can give somewhere from 5 to 10 mg uh, IV. You can also do insulin and dextrose, and you can even do intralipid. Remember with this is Timolol, which is your eye drops, can, have, can cause systemic symptoms here. Next up is your calcium channel blocker. So this compares to beta blockers in that it gives you hyperglycemia. So you're still going to have your bradycardia as well as your decreased blood pressure, but then hyperglycemia as opposed to hypo with beta blockers. The treatment here is going to be calcium gluconate, glucagon, insulin and dextrose again, as well as your intralipids. This is Calcium channel blockers are the leading cause of death from cardiovascular drugs, not beta blockers. Next up is your Tegretol, which is your carbamazepine. This has a classic triad of your dizziness, ataxia, as well as your nystagmus. You can have uh, increased QRS, which you want to give bicarb to. Otherwise, your treatment would be with charcoal here. Carbon, carbon monoxide is the leading cause of toxic death. This is going to shift your oxyhemoglobin curve to the left, so it's going to inhibit the release of oxygen from the hemoglobin. Patient can have flu-like symptoms, kind of vague and out of nowhere. I always ask if the dog is sick or other uh, family members are sick. You want to think of cyanide toxicity and not carbon monoxide if they have smoke exposure and then profound acidosis, or the patient immediately collapsed after a fire. This is always cyanide, not carbon monoxide. The levels of carbon monoxide don't correlate to the toxic uh, levels and symptoms, so just pay attention to that. Your treatment is going to be 100% oxygen and your hyperbaric oxygen. If you do 100% oxygen, it actually decreases the half-life of carbon monoxide to about 90 minutes. Hyperbaric decreases the half-life to about 20 minutes. That's why we like those two. Remember that you always want to measure the carb carboxyhemoglobin here, and your pulse ox is going to be normal, as well as your uh, PAO2 is also going to be normal. Now let's talk about ingestions. So this is going to be the difference between your acids and your alkali. 
your acids ca cause a coagulation necrosis, and they're going to be more of a superficial burn if you want to think of it that way. Your alkali is going to be the, the worst of the two. These are going to be also more common. They're going to cause that liquefaction necrosis. You're going to have full thickness burns here as opposed to the superficial with the acids. And then presence of oropharyngeal burns, it does not indicate any sort of esophageal injury. So always consider doing an upright x-ray as well as an endoscopy for those cases. Hydrofluoric acids, think of milk, max citrate by NG tube as a treatment. Chlorine gas is going to be yellow-green gas that's going to cause immediate ocular and upper airway irritation. can even cause uh, pulmonary edema if it's severe. Cyanide is going to have that collapse after fire, just like I told you, and then rapid CV collapse. It's going to have that bitter almond taste that's usually tested. It's going to cause a lactic acidosis with an anion gap. And then you want to treat with nitrites or with uh, hydroxocobalamin. Next up is going to be digitalis. This is this works by inhibiting your sodium potassium ATPase. So you're going to have, uh, as a symptom, you're going to have increase in potassium, so hyperkalemia, AV block, and arrhythmia. This is usually highly tested as far as potassium levels. So if you have a digitalis toxicity, you're going to have hyperkalemia. But, high, but having hypokalemia predisposes you to getting the toxicity. I hope that makes sense. The most common dysarrhythmia here is PVCs. Pathognomotic, though, is PAT with an AV block. You can also have bidirectional uh, ventricular tachycardia. Your treatment is going to be the antitoad with uh, Digibon. Each vial normally binds 0.5 mix of digoxin here. So if you have a life-threatening toxic overdose, you want to just go ahead and give 20 vials. If you normally, we give around 3 to 5. If this is an un acute and an unknown ingested amount, then you want to give about 10 vials. If it's chronic, start with 6. Remember other things that can cause digitalis digoxin toxicity. It's going to be your foxglove, your oleander, and your lily of valley. You can remember the mnemonic folly for it. Next up is going to be your hydrocarbons. These are substances that have low viscosity and are very highly volatile. You can get into the lungs. They can cause aspiration pneumonitis. And then uh, normally they occur by sniffing and huffing. What, they, what that does is it can sensitize the myocardium, so you can end up with a dysarrhythmia. Next up is your hydrogen fluoride. Remember that the skin may appear normal here, dis despite the fact that there may have been significant burns. So this is a delayed injury kind of a picture. Your treatment is going to be calcium gluconate here. Hydrogen, hydrogen sulfide has that rotten egg odor that's described on exams, and you want to use sodium nitrite to make meth hemoglo uh, hemoglobin from it. Iron toxicity can present almost as a DKA kind of a picture with the nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. If the patient has GI symptoms, then it actually suggests significant exposure to iron. The treatment is going to be whole bowel irrigation as well as the defroximine. Remember that that can cause hypotension if you use that drug. As far as lead toxicity, it's not as common, but can still show up in kids. You are going to have your lead teeth here, your pica normally. You're going to see uh, those lead lines and x-rays. You can have wrist drop with it as well as peripheral neuropathy. If the serum levels are greater than 50 mcgs per deciliter, it suggests that this toxicity is severe. You can also have those basophilic sibling on a smear. The treatment here is going to be chelation therapy. As far as lithium overdose, the treatment is going to be aggressive hydration and sodium chloride, 
if the patient is really ill, then you can also do a dialysis for this. Next up is methemoglobinemia. This is where the patient presents cyanotic but does not respond to O2. So it can have actually blue uh, um, fingers and lips. The blood is going to be that chocolate brown color. You can get this from nitrites or nitrates. So think of those patients that might be smoking meat. Or you can also get it from benzocaine. And that's if you're trying to numb a, a peritonsillar abscess before you drain it. The treatment is going to be methylene blue. And what that does is going to change the free radical of iron. But it is contraindicated to give it in any patient that has G6PD deficiency. Next up is mushrooms. So I like to think of mushrooms as far as time of ingestion and the start of symptoms. That kind of determines the risk of significant exposure and toxicity. So if you eat a mushroom and you present within two hours with those symptoms of vomiting and GI upset, then you're probably okay. If you eat the mushroom and you don't show symptoms till six hours later or even the next day, it's pretty, pretty bad. Two types of mushrooms that kind of just to keep in mind. Um, the first one is Amanita phylloides. Those are the really bad ones, and those patients normally die. They normally need a liver transplant, and, and it causes hepatic toxicity. Your Amanita muscarera, that's the GABA agonist, and it causes altered mental status, but no hepatic toxicity. So two things to keep in mind for those types of mushrooms. And lastly, let's discuss uh, NMS versus serotonin syndrome. So let's start talking about NMS. I like to think of this as slow. So what does that mean? It's a slow onset. Takes hours to days to form. It's slow resolution, so it takes a while to also resolve. And then you have slow movements. What that means is you have hyporeflexia and that lead pipe rigidity with it. It's going to increase your CK levels, and the treatment is going to be dantrolene, uh, benzodiazepine, even uh, bromocryptine, um, etc. Your serotonin syndrome, I like to think of that as fast. So what does that mean? It has a fast onset fast resolution, and you have fast movements. So you have hyperreflexia with it, agitation, all of those I consider as just fast. You remember about your clonus here, and your treatment is going to be uh, uh, symptomatic, but you can also do uh, ciproheptidine here. Remember that certain opioids like tramadol and mepiridine can accelerate this, so things to keep in mind. Guys, thank you so much for paying attention. I know this was long and painful, but I appreciate you.